Welcome to the HR Room Podcast, the podcast series from Insight HR, where we talk to business leaders from around Ireland and share their advice on how to create the HR systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, simply visit www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. And remember, if you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Okay, let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the HR Room podcast. In a year when the changes in the world of work became more permanent as we emerged from the pandemic, we faced challenges like the Great Resignation, recruitment and retention challenges, and saw increased instances of burnout. But we also saw great developments in the employer-employee relationship, some long-awaited advances in legislation, and a new baseline when it came to policies and pay. Over the course of 2022, we were incredibly lucky to speak to a wide range of experts on these topics and more. So what better way to top off the year than with our best bits from a fantastic and insightful year? In this episode, we took some of the best bits from the year that was, and I want to share with you another selection box of sorts to add to your Christmas collection. First up in our 2022 selection box, we spoke to Laura Flynn, head of EY's People Advisory Services in Ireland, about how much has changed in the world of work in 2022 as we dug deep into the findings of their global EY 2022 Work Reimagined Survey. So have a listen to some of the great insights that Laura shared with us. So I guess maybe just to, to position it, this is um, this has become an annual survey for us that started back in 2020. And I suppose through that time, what we've seen is dramatic changes in, in how we work, but also how we view our priorities in relation to work. And this survey is no different. Um, over the last two years, we've seen a very reactive response to that changing environment. But what this survey results tells us is there's really a need for more sustainable and also human-centered workforce strategy. Uh, at a very high level, some of the key findings that we found is both employers and employees are really recognizing that making provisions for hybrid and flexible working is a necessity and it's, it's certainly not going away in the future. Um, employees are feeling empowered. There's lots of positivity in, in the responses that they've given us. But regardless, nearly half of them are telling us that they're likely to leave their employer in the next year, which is um, probably un- not, not unexpected, but still means that there's quite a lot to do um, in terms of talent attraction and retention. What we've seen is employers who have shown a more proactive approach to the changing world of work are feeling a lot more optimistic about the future, particularly in terms of changes to productivity and culture. Um, Those who have been kind of slower and and taking more of a wait and see approach are starting to feel quite nervous about how things are going to pan out for them. And then I suppose the other thing is What's really coming through in this survey is that both total rewards, and and by that I mean financial and non-financial, that kind of whole employee value proposition, along with diversity, equality and inclusion, are really seen by both employers and employees as areas that are demanding uh, greater attention and focus. So what comes through in the themes constantly is the employee experience um, and kind of taking a a, putting people at the centre of everything is, is really essential. Um, employees are really looking for sustainable employee experiences that will allow them to thrive in this new way of working. Um, but they are feeling trusted and supported by their employers. Similarly, Leia's Workplace Wellbeing Index also outlined some stark results when it comes to the current lay of the land in the world of work. 
We recognize World Mental Health Day this year by speaking through those results with Leia's Head of Wellbeing, Sinead Prose. Let's listen back to what Sinead outlined for us. So I think it's important for those listening to know that this is the third year that we've done this, Owen, and um, it's our fourth wave of research. So actually last year we did two because mental health was coming out really, really strongly and we see that coming again in this pulse. So I think, yeah, lots of key learnings, but I think the three key things are probably the first one is that what we see as the leading cause of stress and anxiety in the workplace is actually being driven by the cost of living crisis. And I think that's, we'll talk a little bit more about that, Mary, and that's really important for people to understand. It's not work related, it's more personal related. Okay, and that's really important. I think the second one is HR leaders are really continuing to be concerned about employees' mental health. So HR leaders themselves struggling and also struggling to really understand how to address that. And I think the third one, which is really interesting, is that uh, even though salary is very important still, uh, flexible working practices or work-life balance is really coming in at a par in terms of what employees are valuing from their uh, from their from their jobs, uh, so that's I think they will be really the three key findings on. So with all that change across many workplaces in the past two years, we spoke in detail about the additional demands being put on HR teams and line managers. And in response to the question, how does this affect managers who want to reflect on their own development and, in particular, their soft skills? Our very own Liam Barton gave some great insights into the mind of the busy line manager and what they're up against this year. Mary mentioned a number of, of key things um, in her comments on one of the things is time. And, you know, we're demanding more and more and more from managers. They haven't necessarily been given any more time during the working week, unless unless something uh, that memo has, has missed me. You know, the working, the working week is still the same. The manner in which we're performing, a lot of our work has changed and changed quite dramatically. And even if you take an example of Insight HR, we, broadly speaking, were in the same physical location up until about two, two and a half years ago. And it was so much easier to converse. Let's let's have a chat in the board. We, we go through that. Let's pull the team together. And that would take you know four or five minutes. So the, the manner in which the manager has to manage has fundamentally changed in many cases. But the demands have increased. Uh, a lot of the time and, and resourcing has stayed the same or possibly has has reduced. So we're asking managers to conduct, which is already, you know, a challenging, difficult role in a different way, in many cases with less resources. So line managers could be could well feel beleaguered in terms of the demands, the, the physical demands on the, on them, in terms of managing the team remotely. And we are missing sometimes that connectivity that we will have face to face within that physical interaction where we can talk to someone over, over a, a cup of coffee or, or whatever it may be. I think with regard to the whole area of skill set and skill set development, it's been rightly acknowledged, I think particularly in the last 12 to, to 18 months, the whole area of empathy on and being able to connect with people, whether it's remotely or one to one and connect with them in a very meaningful way and bring people with you on the journey. I would agree with Mary, some managers have that and they almost have that innate ability to communicate very honestly, um, very positively with people, listen empathetically, 
take on board what the employee is saying and use very collaborative language to bring that person with them. Other managers don't. And very often what we find in many cases that a manager has been promoted because of technical ability, i.e. he's the best engineer, she's the best accountant, he or she is the best salesperson. Um, they might necessarily be the best people manager um, or have the best you know, people management skill set. So I think that's something that employees and I think managers have to have a very open and honest conversation. And it's okay to say, you know what, I'm actually struggling. I need a bit of support or, you know, I need to have a day where I can get through my tasks with some support from the team. And it's okay to say, actually, you know what, I'm really, I'm really struggling. So I think we need to reach out and we need to be very humble in terms of our approach and understand that hybrid working and the the dynamic around that is not a utopia, that some people who, who are working from home may be in an isolated situation, as we've covered previously in podcasts, they may be in a, a not so ideal domestic situation, and they may be in a not, not ideal housing situation. So in very, very many cases, people are trying to grapple with real societal problems, and at the same time, remotely manage a team. And they're beleaguered and they're under pressure and they're under stress. And I think in many cases, Owen, and I'd be interested to hear Mary's view, managers almost feel, well, I, I need to be indestructible. You know, I, I need to be titanium. And it should be okay from a society point of view and from an organizational point of view to actually say, do you know what? I'm having a bad day. I'm actually having a really bad week. I, I, I'm beginning to feel this, the stress and strain of managing the team remotely trying to encourage better performance, manage within a budget, conduct my working environment in a not so ideal location where, you know, there's a lot of private personal stuff going on. And I think a lot of people are in that situation. And I think, you know, from mental health point of view, from a physical health point of view, from an organizational point of view, we need to reach out and connect with those people because I do think a lot of people own, are under pressure. And we, we've hid behind the move to remote or hybrid has been positive in all cases. In many cases, it hasn't. And, you know, we need to understand that and I think reach out and support many line managers who are going to particularly difficult situations. Similarly, in our chat with Fania Stoney from Healthy Place to Work Ireland, both Mary Cullen and Fania outlined some of the realities of how this is reflected in the wider employee base and how organizations and individuals themselves can ensure they keep their well-being at front of mind. Let's hear what they had to say on the topic. Yeah, we had an interesting one with an organization there. It was, it was before the summer hit and they kind of seen, they kind of got themselves through the pandemic and then they actually saw a number of their top performers take extended leave um, and they were trying to get in underneath it. And what they found was for them, their top performers were the best at being able to say, okay, we're in crisis mode. I'm going to re rework my day. So I'm going to like get up early and I'm going to do a couple of hours now before the kids get up and I'll get the kids up and I'll get them, you know, often at the door to school and then I'll log back on and then I'll go do this and, you know, and then they'll come back in. So I'll be, but I'll be back on at eight o'clock and I'll do eight to midnight and, you know, it'll all be fine. Like I'll be able to work it all out and whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, and got themselves into a new rhythm that actually wasn't sustainable, but they, it kind of got them through but then it was too late by the time they realized well actually this like you know I can't I can't do this like I can't manage all of this and I don't know I don't know how to breathe I don't know how to step back I don't know how to tell my manager I'm not not able to cope 
and defaulting to leave as opposed to having that conversation. So, you know, it was a really interesting moment for them to be like, okay, those are the people who are delivering. So we want to make sure that they can deliver in a sustainable fashion. So how do we balance this idea of like performance and recovery and, you know, do all of that kind of stuff. We've done some really, really interesting work with them actually over the summer and where they had a bit of bandwidth time-wise to kind of like, you know, again, take that breath, be intentional and figure that out. Um, But you're so right. And, you know, again, I think burnout has become one of those buzzy words. Like I think we hear a lot about it. Um, but it is about organizations thinking like who are the people sitting in our teams right now that we want to make sure are still sitting there next year or you know when the big project comes in and how is it that we we build our systems to make sure that they've got adequate support and Gillian French when she was on our podcast uh, a couple of months ago talked about um 98% i think was the figure or maybe it was 96% I did, yeah. I did. research yeah yeah from the research that, uh, that they had done there of hr people are burned out now look we're burned out ourselves and we're working in unhealthy patterns and we're you know responsible for the health and the well-being of um the organization we really need to be asking ourselves some fundamental questions and a lot of a lot of hr people are putting in very serious hours in exactly the way that you describe fania you know um and being on uh, available and on call to the management team at at any hour of uh, the evening. And, you know, I think organizations just don't think enough about the impact of that ping, you know, that feeling that you need to check your messages or your mobile or that one message from the CEO on a Sunday about something the CEO is worried about uh, to a HR person can just absolutely destroy somebody's free time. And again, it's, you know, how much of that do we really need to have very honest conversations about in our organizations? Because those things happen. And it's not necessarily because, you know, management are cynical um, and, you know, think that, well, look here, I, I, I need to speak to Fanny and it's Sunday. Um, you know, I'm just going to get this done and I'm going to send her an email with the big don't read until Monday uh, notice attached to it. And yeah, depending on your nature and your character, you might well open that. So it's like, can we do more with technology? Can we nudge managers to remind them that, you know, think twice, do you need to send this now? And and yeah, you see that on Microsoft, but it it's, you know, it's still happening all over the place. And so do we need to do more as an organization to protect people's health and well-being and and, um, their free time and whether it's WhatsApp groups or, you know, whether it's Facebook Messenger groups, whatever. Looking ahead to 2023, we also got a great sense of what companies can do to get ahead next year on policies, inclusion, new ways of working and more. Firstly, let's look at how Lidl's focus on people being at the heart of their policies is driving business success for them. And hear what we learned when I specifically asked Denise White Hughes, Employee Relations Director at Little Ireland and Little North Ireland, how do they do it? That's the biggest tip. Listen to employees. So whether you do annual surveys or create new surveys um, or 
Yeah. So we have like an annual survey that we do that's kind of, you know, about general satisfaction within the business. We've got the ideas hub, which really keeps us on our toes of, of what people want. We have like specific diversity and inclusion survey and we do an annual one on kind of our well-being strategy. So we've got lots of different tools, whether it's through new starter surveys and exit surveys. So we are inundated with employee opinions. So listen to that and Maybe start with the things that, that are, are, are your quick wins, maybe the not so complex things. Think about what's actually quite easy to implement um, and start with those and then build on it and, and make sure that you've got the support of senior management. That's really important because these things aren't going to land if it's seen as just a, a document, a piece of paper. And that's why having employees at the face of them is so important. Um, and that's something that we really try to do. And that helps because it's putting a face to it. It's not just a policy. So whether it was me talking about miscarriage, we had um, a sales operation manager from a retail sector talking about Kate Bohan talking about fertility. You saw that we had some of our colleagues there um, for the retirement piece. So we always try to have a face for it. And it's not always easy easy to find someone who wants to be the face for some of these things, but um, it makes it more personable rather than, I said, just a post about here's our new policy. When you have someone talking about how it impacts them, that's massive. So I would definitely encourage if you can get people to volunteer, that's really um, helpful. So yeah, listen to what employees want. Start with maybe some of the easier things and, and include your employees in, in the communication. One major policy change that did hit the headlines this year was the emergence of the four-day work week. Although it was something that's been spoken about for a number of years, it really did take off this year in no small part thanks to the efforts of Joe O'Connor, former CEO of the four-day work week global and now director and co-founder at the Work Time Reduction Center of Excellence. So have a listen to our chat back in April with Joe uh, about what could be the next fundamental change in the world of work. In this clip, I asked Joe, what are the benefits for employers when it comes to a four-day work week? Traditionally, the benefits that we've seen and the things that have drawn people to the four-day work week over the last number of years since I've started working on this back in, in 2018 are, well, first of all, productivity. So companies looking to create an organizational-wide focus on how can we improve our, our efficiency, our operations. And I suppose the powerful thing about the four-day work week trial is you know, it really powerfully aligns the company's interests with the employee's interests. Because if you're running a trial of the four-day work week and you're really, really clear about these are the targets that we need to achieve. These are the metrics that we're going to be measuring success on. You know, this benefit is so transformative for people in their day-to-day -day lives that they are incredibly motivated and engaged and empowered to make those kinds of changes to work practices, to, to explore and to find what are the collective efficiencies that are holding us back in terms of our productivity in our work. So that's certainly a big one, you know, well-being and, and, and giving back to employees and, you know, alleviating burnout and stress and overwork is certainly another one. But the, the big phenomenon that's, that's you know, the, the driver that's really emerged in the last 12 to 18 months or so as we come out of the pandemic is competition. And it's, it's the fact that for a lot of employers, they're turning to this as a means to retain their best people, to recruit and attract better talent. And we're particularly seeing it with a lot of companies who maybe previously offered some version of flexible working or hybrid working as a competitive advantage. And now in a lot of sectors, they found, well, actually, it's not a competitive advantage anymore because it's now a standard expectation uh, in a lot of industries. Um, you know, so whatever edge they might have had over their competitors by being a bit more flexible, by offering blended work has now been swallowed up. And now they're looking for, well, what's the new thing that can give us the edge? 
Um, and they're turning increasingly to the four-day work week as something that, if done right, can allow them to maintain their, their productivity, but also give something back that's really, really attractive for their people and for potential future uh, future employees. And last but not least, we recently spoke to Christabel Feeney, Director at Employers for Change, as we celebrated International Day of Persons with Disabilities on December 3rd. From speaking to Christabel, we got a real sense of why the whole area of inclusion still remains a key goal for companies as we head into the new year. And although we spoke specifically about disability inclusion, her words ring true for all aspects of inclusion. Yes, it is a challenge, but from what Christabel told us, it's worth every bit of effort. Let's listen to what she had to say on the topic. So just to give some context, I suppose, um, in terms of Ireland, there is about 650,000 people living in Ireland with a disability. Now, that's based on the last census, which is quite out of date at this stage because of COVID and everything. And we have to wait for, for the, the more recent census results to come out. But that's a significant portion of the population. We're talking about one in seven people. So I would just say to people listening to this in the first instance, you know, some people might be listening and, and say to themselves, well, you know, I don't work with anybody with a disability. And the reality of that is, well, that's just not true because it's it's not possible. If one in seven people are living with a disability in this country, then you w- you do know people with a disability or you yourself are living with a disability but may not identify as having one. The second thing I would say in terms of employment is that, you know, even though one in seven people in Ireland are living with a disability, you're actually half as likely to be employed in Ireland um, if you're a person with a disability compared to a non-disabled peer. So that's pretty shocking, you know, um, that those opportunities are not arising as much as they should for people with disabilities. And when we speak about, you know, the ability of individuals with disabilities, like there's a lot of research out there that will speak to the importance of diversity in organisation, the importance of actually having people with disabilities within your organisation. There was a study done by Deloitte, it's the Deloitte Diversity and Inclusion Report 2020, and that found that companies who had a truly inclusive culture, they were eight times more likely to achieve better outcomes. They were three times more likely to be high performing and they were twice as likely to meet or exceed target. And we also know from the likes of Accenture and Disability In that companies who are disability inclusion champions, who are true champions of disability inclusion, they actually make 28% higher revenue than companies who are not. So this isn't just the right thing to do when we're talking about disability inclusion. If you're an organisation or a business, you should be doing this. If, if you want to be successful, if you want to ensure that you have the best possible talent working for you in your organisation, then you need to be including the voices of the disabled community. And I would say from an Irish context, OK, I know I've given kind of some stark figures there and talked about the fact that you're half as likely to be in employment. I would say the companies certainly that we have come into contact with since we started our work in 2020 are very open to this. They're very open to looking at their policies, to self-reflection, to looking at the barriers that they're putting um, in front of potential candidates and their existing employees in terms of moving up the ladder internally and really looking to see how can we improve this and how can we make ourselves a much more open and inclusive organisation. I think that COVID-19 and how it kind of impacted all of us on an individual basis and how we came to bring ourselves, all of ourselves to work, whether we liked it or not, you know, working remotely. People had children running around in the background. There was all kinds of things happening. We all had different struggles to different degrees. I think that has created a degree of understanding and empathy within the workplace and within employers that has actually allowed the conversation around what does diversity, equity and inclusion really mean to your organisation? Um, and where does disability fall within that? I think it has opened up that conversation much, much more and it has 
really probably added to the culture of organizations within Ireland in an employment context. So there's just some of the many highlights from our fantastic 2022 and here's to more in 2023. So a final big thank you to everyone for listening all through 2022. We'll be back next week and we'll be kicking off 2023 with a run of fantastic podcast episodes as we sit down with a range of HR leaders and experts and some big names that many of you will know. So happy new year. Welcome back to work if that's what you're coming back to. And as always, for HR consultancy services and management you can trust, get in touch with us today at insidehr.ie. Thanks for joining us today on the HR Room podcast, the podcast series from Insight HR that helps you create the human resources systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, go to www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. That's www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. We'd love it if you subscribe, like and share the show with any friends and colleagues who are looking for fresh ideas on how to create the ideal workplace for their business. And remember, if you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or an on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Thanks, and see you soon.